going to be going back into the Old Testament, the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to be reading in the 16th chapter, verses 4 through 7 from the King James Version. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 4 through 7. This is what it reads like. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake. My, if more of us would only do what the Lord told us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Sometimes we do, like, we do God like our children do us. Hallelujah. I was on that school bus one day this past week. Some of them was trying to get active and a little bit rowdy, and I picked up that intercom and uh, uh, spoke to them. And uh, they, uh, like a lot of folks when I preach, act like they didn't hear. So I... <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. There's one in every congregation. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I, I picked up that, I picked up that inter, intercom mic again, and I cut the volume up on it, like Chris cuts the volume up on his drums sometimes. Hallelujah. And I, and I told him, I says, look, your mama might tell you three or four times to do something. This is my last time. I won't speak again. This bus will be pulled over if you don't sit down and close that mouth now. It got quiet. Some of them have been riding with Mr. Sam long enough to know that Mr. Sam don't play. Hallelujah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> hallelujah. With some of us, though, we do the Lord the same way. He tells us things over and over again. Hallelujah. There's some of you standing right here in this room today. You've been in the church house in the service, and God has told you to go say something to somebody, and you quench the Spirit. Well, mm -hmm. but Samuel did which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. The Lord had told him he wanted him to go to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Come us out peacefully. They were concerned. It was a prophet of God, a powerful prophet, and they were kind of concerned when they saw him coming down the road headed toward their town. And he said, yeah, I'm, I come peaceably. I'm come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He looked at uh, Jesse's eldest son. He said, ah, this must be the one. Surely uh, is the one. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused this one. Now, the rest of it. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. 
For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Fathers, we come today. I thank you and I praise you for the privilege to stand before this congregation again. I thank you, God, for your blessings and your healing touch, God. Thank you, God, for everything you've done. And now, Lord, for the next few minutes, I ask for your anointing to rest upon me that I may speak God's words that will be comfort, uplifting, convicting, or whatever is needed by each and every one here today. And everything's accomplished. We'll give you the praise and the glory in the wonderful, mighty, majestic name of Jesus. Let the church say, Amen. Amen and Amen. You can be seated. By the grace of the Lord, I'm going to speak to you today on a subject titled, A Matter of the Heart. A matter of the heart. Now, I never realized how many times the word heart is recorded in Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, tried to count them, but there's too many to count. It'll take too much time. The heart is spoken about all through the Bible. So the heart used in Scripture uh, is, I guess you could say, is the most comprehensive term for the authentic person. Now, what I mean by the authentic person, when the Bible talks about the heart, it really gives reference to who you really are, the real you. Amen. There are sometimes people that's got two or three different yous. There's the you that we see, and then there's the you that you really are. Well, amen. Uh, the heart is the part of our being where we have desire, we deliberate, we decide. It has been described as the place of consciousness and decisive spiritual activity. The heart is the seat of man. It's where that we have our feelings, our desires, our passions, our thoughts, understanding, and our will. It's the center of the person. So when we talk about heart, we're not talking about that muscle that beats blood through your body. But we are talking about the center of you, your very soul, your very soul. Hallelujah. Most importantly, the heart is the place to which God turns when he is seeking a relationship with a human, by a human, human being. Hallelujah. If God wants a relationship with you, he's, gonna, he's not going to deal with your head. Hallelujah. God's not interested in what you got in your head. Thank God for many of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, because some of us don't have too much. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God can care less about your head. He, he's not looking for a relationship with your head. A lot of people try to approach God strictly, intellectually, and that don't work. Hallelujah. Amen. Man, I... I those four years I went to Bible college, man, and I studied all them four hundred dollar words and all that stuff, man. I thought, man, well, I and I was I was 
cramming all that stuff in myself, learning all them terms and um, uh, acing all those tests and all, and, and I got all that thing. I said, man, this stuff is really going to take me somewhere. And I ain't used 90% of it in the years since because that's not where God meets man. This up here is not where God meets you. Right here is where he meets you. Hallelujah. It's the place that God turns to. Now, said that, let me say this, and I'm still laying a foundation. I had not got into my message yet. The heart can be a master of disguise. Amen. When it desires to have its true nature undetected. Amen. You see, God told Samuel, he says, I don't look at people the way men do. He said, men will judge folks by the outward appearance. But that outward appearance can be deceiving. Hallelujah. And a lot of times it is the heart, because of the deceptive nature in the heart, it will, it will disguise itself so the true nature will not be detected. So the shell or the body in which the heart lives can act like a... Let me, I hope I can pronounce this word especially with half my teeth gone. A chameleon. Does anybody know what I'm, what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the chameleon? What characteristic about that lizard-like animal... It's, it's different from all others. It changes color to blend in with uh, the surrounding. Hallelujah. Uh, I've met a few Pentecostal people down through the year. Amen. You, you see them one day and they're one color, and you see them next day they're a different color. Mm. Hello, somebody. You see, when the heart wants to disguise uh, its true nature, uh, it begins to affect the shell or the body it lives in, and, acts, and that body acts like a chameleon, hiding the true color of the heart which lay deep within. Hallelujah. Amen. When Samuel looked on the outward form of Jesse's oldest son, I mean, he, when he, they was there and they was having a sacrifice and he called Jesse. He knew that God had chosen one of Jesse's boys uh, for him to, to anoint as king in Saul's place. Uh, and uh, when the eldest come by and he looked at him, he was, he was tall, muscular, and handsome and, um, and, 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 all, of those, and all of those things. And, and when he, he saw them, uh, he said, Surely this is the one that God has sent me to anoint. Surely the, you know, the one that God has chosen is standing here before me, and he was, I can just see him now taking that horn of oil out from its belt, uh, amen, and flipping the top off and get ready to just cover that guy, amen, with the anointing oil. But God said, stop. Wait a minute. Hold on. Slow down just a little bit. Hallelujah. Do you know that's what the apostle Paul meant in the New Testament when he was 
uh, setting up churches, and he told the ministers um, uh, uh, what, that he ordained to, to be over the various churches that he went everywhere. He said, don't lay hands suddenly on no man. Now, a lot of people read over that and over that, but they never take the time to study out what he meant by that. But when, when, when Paul told them, do not lay hands suddenly on no man, he was talking about the practice of the New Testament church that when the, somebody was appointed to be in some kind of leadership in the church, uh, to be, be another minister, to be a deacon, amen, or, or whatever, any kind of position that took where, the, where you are, that you ordained them, he said, don't lay hands suddenly on no, don't pass on what I've given you just to any Tom, Dick, and Harry. Don't do it suddenly. Spend time with it. Amen. Through prayer and to know. And he said in another place to know them who what? Labor among you. Hallelujah. Samuel, he was ready to pull that oil because on the outward appearance, this man looked like a king. He looked like he had the qualities of a king. But God said, You just wait a minute. Hold on, Samuel. You're making your judgment solely on appearance. <laughs> but God said, I want you to look deeper than that. Hallelujah. He said, go deeper. Hallelujah. I want you to get beyond the skin. I want you, when you're considering the one that you're going to anoint, amen, to be the king over my people, amen, don't look at the skin. Hallelujah. Don't, in other words, don't judge the color. Don't be prejudiced like a lot of folks are, still are today. Hallelujah. He said, I want you to look deeper. Go beyond the skin. Even go beyond the bone. You get down into the center. Hallelujah. Because God says, that's what I'm looking at. Hallelujah. That's what I'm concerned with. Hallelujah, I'm concerned with the heart of a person. Hallelujah. Because the heart of the man tells who he really is. God said the one that I will pick will be a matter of the heart. Hallelujah. A matter of the heart. Our heart tells a lot of things about us. We can see sometimes where some people, amen, they will endure hardship and they will do a, a, endure affliction. As we gather in this congregation today, there are people that's come together today to worship God and to love on God and to praise Him who have literally been through hell maybe the past week. they got all kind of struggles, things that's worrying on, on their minds. Hallelujah. For some, it could be financial. Some, it could be family problems. Some people could just about, about ready to lose it all over something going on at a job. Amen. Anytime you got this many people coming into one place, uh, there's got to be a world of different problems. Uh, that's one reason why we shouldn't go around trying to judge our brother and sister. You don't know what I've been through, and I don't know what you've been through, uh, unless the Spirit of God gives me an enlightenment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, oh, like that song Kessie sings sometimes about... Uh, 
the alabaster box, how the woman went to Jesus and, and broke open that box and anointed the feet of Jesus. Amen. She, amen. It, 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 was, it was a world, it was a year's pay to her. Amen. It was all that she had. Amen. But, amen. Because God had done so much for her because Jesus, amen, had, had considered her a person which nobody else, amen, had done before. Amen. People would begin to complain and look and say, why in the world did she waste that? Why didn't um, they spend that? Uh, amen. And give help to the poor and all that. Jesus said, leave her alone. Hallelujah. Amen. And as that song says, listen, uh, amen, you don't try to judge me in the way that I worship my God uh, and to give my God praise uh, because you don't know the cost. Uh, hallelujah. That I've got. Uh, you don't know what I've struggled. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. You don't know that I have. Hallelujah, what I have been through. Um but you've been through it. You've struggled. And you're here today to worship God. And that lets me know that, amen, beyond the struggles, beyond the pain, beyond the heartache, oh, hallelujah, there's a heart in there that's been touched by the master. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And so no matter what, you're going to praise him. You don't care what nobody thinks, but you're going to worship him. You're going to give him glory because beyond all the junk in your life, God has changed your heart. Woo, my, 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 my. Mm. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm still going on. I'm still trucking because one day way back in my past, I had heart surgery. It wasn't by a physician. It wasn't by a cardiologist. But Brother Paul, I had heart surgery. And you know what? You may see three or four wounds, scars, in my chest, because still, every now and then, God rips that thing open. He pulls, he says, ah, there, there's another problem. Hallelujah. Some people got to bypass, and then in a few years, they got to go back and redo it. That's the same way spiritually. My, I didn't realize all this, but I, do you notice how this service has flowed together? God, God is directing this message today. We sing in the song about he's still working on me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So, yeah, there's a scar and re-scarred and, and all that because, amen, he's still, when he sees there's a problem, amen, that causes your spiritual man a health issue, God says it's time for me to operate again. Oh, and, and nobody here, bro, Brother Paul's one, there may be, there's probably some others that have had the bypass surgery, and let me tell you something, it, 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 it is no fun in the park, is it, Brother Holler? When I went up there to see him, he was hugging on a teddy bear, and I found out the reason why. They gave him all teddy bears. Uh, they tell him, man, you're going to love that teddy bear, hallelujah. 
Amen. And oh man, when you talk about that kind of surgery and cracking open your your chest and using those spreaders and amen, open you up, man, so they can get down in there. Amen. It's it, it's not nothing that nobody likes to go through with. But guess what? It beats the alternative. I said it beats the alternative. Because a lot of folks who don't go through that will not live tomorrow. Do you hear what I'm saying? And the Lord says there's a lot of times I'm going to have to rip you open. I'm going to have to get down inside of you, past all of the side, past all the, all the put on and all the play and all the show that you put on for people. Hallelujah. He says, I got to get past that painted on smile that you have to paint on before you go to church on Sunday morning so you can disguise what you really are. Amen. And the pain, God says, I've got, uh, he says, it's not an easy thing. And it's, uh, man, it's tough to try to try to get over. But God says, I'm going to do it to, because I love you. I got myself in you. Hallelujah. And God says, listen, me tearing your heart out every now and then. Oh, my Lord. Oh, I know I'm talking. God says me tearing your heart out and you going through stuff every now and then. It beats the alternative. The alternative here is not just death, but the alternative here is spending your eternity in the devil's hell. And God said, if I have to rip you open every day of the week, amen, and redo that heart, he said, I'm going to do it because I don't want you to die without me. Thank you, Lord. That's why Jesus says, give God praise when you suffer. Why in the world? People in the world don't understand that. Why should you be, be happy because you've gone through junk? Hallelujah. Amen, because your husband and wife sometimes just don't un understand diddly squat about what you're trying to talk about, if they're even trying to listen to you at all. Sometimes God, sometimes God orchestrates some of that. Amen. Sometimes God, <laughs> sometimes while you're getting ready to go to work, God's already working on your supervisor, putting a thorn in his side about you so he'll lay, lay in hot and heavy as soon as you get there. Why would God do that to me? Because God has put the x-ray machine on your heart. Oh, he sees some blockage that if not corrected could lead to something worse. And God says, I already got a lot invested in you. God says, I got my blood invested in you. I did it. I died at Calvary for you. Hallelujah, you are mine. You are bought with a price. And so it's time Again, for Brother, Brother Sammy, 
to a little bit more suffering. Because the Bible said it's through much, it's through much tribulation that we enter into the kingdom. It takes that for us sometimes. Because frankly, every one of us, including myself, a lot of times we do not go willingly where God wants to lead. Hallelujah. Let's talk about hearts that are distant from the Lord. Hearts distant from the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? Now, I, I, we've, we've talked about what the heart is and, and how it, it, where it stands in our relationship. But there, there's a lot of people whose heart is distant from the Lord. Matthew 15, verses 7 through 8. And I, man, I've got, I've got to rush on. My time is swiftly going by. Uh, now, these are the words of Jesus. So in your Bible, they're going to be words of red. You need to pay closely attention to words of red. And uh, he starts out this verse and he's got an exclamation point behind this first word. Hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart, everybody say heart, their heart is far from me. Hearts that are distant from the Lord. Many people attempt to approach God with empty words. Jesus called those scribes and Pharisees, that's who he's talking to back then, the religious people in that day. He called them hypocrites. And why did he call them hypocrites? Because they, they, they attempted to draw near to God. They attempted to approach God with their mouth and to honor them with their li- him with their lips. But God says, I see beyond the skin. I see beyond the bone. I got my x-ray vision, and I see what you really are in your heart. He said, even though you're talking all that stuff with your mouth, I can see your heart don't mean it. So many people attempt to approach God with empty words. Now, empty words are words spoken which are not backed by the contents of the heart. That's what empty words are. When you utter words that's not backed up by the content that's in your heart, you're just putting on a show. What's coming out of here is not real because it has its origin up here in the mind instead of the heart. Thinking, how away can I smooth this over? How, how can I hide my horns and try to pop out that halo? Hello, somebody. Those were empty words. The Bible calls empty words vain words. 
Hallelujah. Words that are not backed up by the contents of the heart. Let me give you an illustration. I got in my back pocket here. This is, this is my checkbook. And uh, looking through there, I still hope I got something there. Yeah, there's one. Now, I can pick out somebody right here and get an ink pen. And I'm going to, hallelujah, Sister Marsha, I'm going to write you out a check for $100,000. <laughs> she says, who said that? <laughs> I could write that check out for $100,000, and I could even sign it. You know, Pentecost to people. They like to use that as an illustration about the name, you know. You don't sign a check by father or son, you know. Uh, you got to put a name down there. They use that. But let, let me, I'm trying to illustrate about empty words. Words that are not backed up by the content of the heart. If I pull out this checkbook and I say, I'm going to write Sister Marsha out a check for $100,000, I'm going to sign it. But guess what? I may write that check, but the contents of my bank account will void that transaction. Hallelujah. Now, you may go and get a certified check, and that take a vote. You go out here and try to pass off somebody to a business or somebody uh, uh, a check for $100,000. I guarantee you they're going to have that tell check, and they're going to check on that thing to make sure... That it's good. Hallelujah. To make sure that it won't do like if I was to drop this right there and it bounce all over this. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, I could write that check out, but the contents of my account would not, it would void that transaction. And some of us, we do the exact same thing when we come to God. We give all kind of words. We like the scribes and the Pharisees telling God how much we love him. But you know what? It amazes me. That's one thing that's always amazed me. There's a lot of people never come to God until they have a need. A, a whole lot of people. I, I couldn't tell you how many people down in years past I have baptized in water because they got scared. The doctor said something they thought they were going to die. So they come, go through the pretense, get baptized, people pray for them, they go back to the doctor, hey, they're in remission. Next Sunday, service time, where's so-and-so at? Next Sunday night, where's so-and-so at? They come long enough to get their need met, then you don't see them no more. Brother Sammy, that's hard preaching. Yeah, that's hard preaching, but I, I'm not getting as hard as what Jesus told them when he used that word hypocrite. I ain't used that word yet. Hallelujah. We do a lot of talk, but a lot of times we need to check and make sure, is it coming down here or is it coming up here? Is it part of this evil heart that's in me trying to disguise itself?
Hallelujah. Glory to God. Likewise, any attempt to approach the Lord by just empty words or shallow words will never be successful. You will never be successful in a, in a good relationship with the Lord if the words that you use to Him is only... And let me tell you, when we come to the house of God to worship Him, your true worship comes from here. It don't come from here. Hallelujah. True worship comes out of relationship. The closer you get to God, the more you want to, to worship Him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. It's sure people who begin to run or to shout or to dance or, or to jump up and down or to raise your hand, it's because something, amen, inside. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I believe if, if you could go back just six or seven months, amen, and, and, and and if you was uh, to pass a Conway truck on the road and seeing it was Ronnie driving down the road, I don't think you'd see him driving that Conway truck. Hallelujah, glory to God. His relationship to the Lord has recently changed Amen. to the point and the place it gets where he just cannot stay still no more. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm talking about true worship. Hallelujah. The worship leader shouldn't have to beg and plead for people to lift their hands. Hallelujah. And to worship God. Amen. We should have a relationship built with Him. That when worship begins to happen, we feel something down deep inside. Well, there's a kindred spirit here. Hallelujah. Oh, there's, oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. We sung a song the other night. Amen. You know, you know, there's a lot of times I might be going through depression or, or I might be sad about this or, amen, or like the struggles we was talking about a while ago and you wonder what and how, how much longer I got to go through this. But I cannot tell you the many times, amen, when I start going down that route, here comes the Lord, amen, with a detour. And on that detour side, let me tell you what's on that detour side. That detour side is on long list of all the times I've been through in the past that he come on the scene and he worked for me and he moved for me and he did not leave me alone. Hallelujah. He did not leave me without help. He did not leave me without a comfort. And so when I'm trying to go down some kind of depressed road with a pity party, here's my Lord with a detour sign saying, get off this road, get back on this other road because on that sign, it's all the times in the past what he's done for me. And so it's like the song when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me. My soul cries out. Hallelujah. Praise God for saving me. Oh, glory, glory. What happened to all that sadness? What happened to all that depression? Because I refocused on the goodness of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
It wasn't long ago I gave somebody. I hadn't given it testimony in a long time. I won't go through it here because I know I wore you out with it. But I was talking to somebody and who didn't know me and things began to come about and, and I witnessed to him about the Lord, about how real God is. I told him how one day several years ago when we first moved back from Kentucky, I said I was working for a heat and air conditioning place. We had a slow day, and I said, they sent me with a big load of used air conditioning air condition parts down to Stanley. I said, I went down there, and I backed up against that pile of stuff, just like they told me to do. I was minding my own business. Had, had a crowbar in my hand, prizing up on that back gate. You know why I know God loves me and he cares for me and he knows I still had work for him to do because he spoke to me. Told me, said, you standing in a place of death. That's all it was. I just I just moved. I, I was in the back of it and I just, I went around on the, on the corner and still prizing up on the corner of that back gate, a wooden gate on the truck. And it, it wasn't it wasn't five seconds. That big old magnetic crane had all them cars behind me on top of that hill. Lost power some kind of way. And those cars came crashing down, about three or four of them stacked on one another and caught me right there in the side. Knocked me 40 foot across over there. I was semi-unconscious when the police and the paramedics was there laying on the ground. Police officer said it was a good thing he wasn't standing behind that truck. Paramedics says, yeah, because the back of that truck is totally destroyed. If he'd been standing behind it, he'd been cut in two or, or mashed to death one or the other. And I was in pain because I was semi I wasn't like Darlene. I wasn't completely out. I was in pain. I was feeling pain, but laying there going through the pain, I started worshiping the Lord, and I started praying. Well, I started thanking him for the goodness of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because the goodness of Jesus warned me ahead of time. I might have been going through some pain right there. Hallelujah. But it beat the alternative. If I'd been cutting too, you would have lost a pastor. My wife and children would have lost a husband and father. God loves us, people. He cares for us. Hallelujah. And if he needs to work on your heart, let him do it. Let him do it. Because he loves you. He wants to keep you whole. the Holy Ghost. My Lord, my Lord. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna skip some things. I'm not nearly I want to talk about one more point briefly. I want to talk about the root of man's dilemma. (laughs) 
Thank you, Lord. I did, I, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't really sure about this message this morning. I wasn't feeling a lot of connections. I wasn't expecting nowhere near the anointing that I'm under right now. Hallelujah. The root of our dilemma. We're all in a dilemma. We all in the midst of our own dilemmas. But let me tell you about the root of your dilemma. This is the cause of everything in your life. Every problem that you have. Acts chapter 8, verses 18 through 21. Hallelujah. Acts 8, 18 and 21. This is what it reads. And when Simon saw that through, the, through laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. Everybody knows this story. Simon is Simon the sorcerer, the man who pra practiced witchcraft and sorcery before Apostles came along, but Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. That is the root of man's dilemma. You know why the Supreme Court passes laws like they do? Their heart's not right. Hello? Glory to God. It's not just that they don't follow the Constitution and follow the laws that is written down because the Constitution and the laws at hand were built upon the foundation of God's Word. But people from the Supreme Court to the Congress and to the Senate, the White House, and on down, they got a dilemma, and their dilemma is not just stupidity, like Donald Trump called them all stupid. Well, that's a, one way of looking at it, but it goes beyond stupidity. The heart's not right. Why is America going down the path that we are going? Why are we seeing things happen like we are seeing happen? Somewhere along the line, America had an issue with its heart. There needs to be a heart surgery on this nation. And if that heart surgery, Brother Jeff, is not performed soon, it's going to go into cardiac arrest, brother. 
Hallelujah. Sooner or later, it might be tomorrow, it might be the next day, I don't know when, but sooner or later, the path that we're on is showing the predicament of the heart of this nature, of, of this nation. Amen. And if we don't have revival where God, amen, can rip that part and pull the heart of this country and fix it and put it back the way he created it to be, it's not going to be long. Going to flatline. It's going to flatline. Hallelujah. Church, God looks beyond the surface and He examines the heart. And when He does, He can view the source of all sin, wickedness, and wrongdoing. What's the Bible say about the Word of God? It's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing asunder between the soul and the spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of what? The heart. When God looks at us, He goes beyond the outward facade that we wear and put on to see what's really down deep on the inside. God checks out where the source is. Matthew chapter 15, verses 19 and 20. Look at this. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. These are the things which defile a man but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Now, the Pharisees, they were into all kind of rituals and all kind of washings. They didn't just wash their hands once before they went to eat a meal. Man, I'd starve to death time I got through doing what all they wanted you to do. They went through a, a ritual of washing, purification, because they thought, man, I got to get all everything off. He said, if I don't, we're going to be defiled. Now, they, and, and, and it wasn't about catching germs. It wasn't about catching germs. They thought they was going to defile themselves spiritually, Brother Bobby, by just simply eating with unwashed hands. Man, if I, if I don't go through all this process, God's going to disinherit me. But he didn't have nothing to do with all that stuff. Jesus told him, he said, listen, all these things come from the heart. That's what defiles a man. Not to eat with unwashed hands, but the things that come out of a man, not the things that go in a man, is what defiles him. The only solution to our problem is to eradicate Brother Darrell, I'd like for you to come up, please, and get ready for a course because I'm fixing to wind down. The only solution to our problem is to eradicate the old, sinful, defiled heart we were born with and allow God to create a new, clean heart that loves the Lord. We all got to have a heart change. Joining the church does not change your heart. 
Coming to church sitting on a pew does not change your heart. You've heard me say this more than one time. You coming to church and sitting on a pew does not make you a Christian. It's like me going out in a car garage, sitting in a garage, makes me a Ford. Hallelujah. we got to have a heart change. Every one of us was born with a heart defect. Every one of us. Because we picked it up. A lot of the conditions that I have physically, I've, I've inherited in my, in my family. Diabetes runs through all my family. So it's in the genes. High blood pressure, different things. We know that's true. A lot of you, you pick up things because you can trace back in your family line and it's been a part of there. Well, we all have something that we've inherited. And we got it from Adam and Eve, our first parents. It's a heart defect. I was born with it. You was born with it. That don't mean that heart can't be loving. That don't mean that heart can't be caring. When Brother Paul over there had that problem and bout with his heart, and he had the blockages and all that stuff, while that heart was messed up like that before they operated on it, he still loved everybody he always loved. He still cared about everybody he always cared about. But that didn't mean that there wasn't a problem with the heart. That's where a lot of people go wrong. They think, well, somebody, so-and-so is, is a good moral person. They don't go to church, but they'd give you the shirt off their back. That's great. There's a lot of good moral people. There's a lot of good people who love their family, love their husband, love their wife, love their children. But that does not eradicate the part that if you could look down in your heart and see your heart the way Jesus sees your heart, he sees the defects that are there. He sees the problems that if not taken care of, sooner or later is going to cause you to spiritually flatline. Oh, God. That's the only solution, folks. One final scripture, and I'm closing. Psalms 51, verses 7 through 10. Now, the 51st chapter of Psalms, I urge everybody to read all through the 51st chapter. The 51st chapter of Psalms is a recording of the prayer that King David prayed for repentance after he committed his grave sin in his life. Everybody remember the sin of David? He, first of all, he wasn't where he was supposed to be, and if he'd been where he's supposed to be, it'd never happen. That's what get, there are people out in, in penitentiary right now that's behind bars because they was at where they shouldn't have been. Amen? The Bible says the time of year that the kings went out to battle, 
he sent the armor on out, but he, he decided to stay home. I'm going to kick back. And that got him in all kind of problems. He committed sin. He even ordered a murder of a man to try to hide and cover up his sin. But when the prophet Nathan looked, came and looked at him and pointed his finger, Adam says, David, you are the man. You are the man. David fell on his face before God, and he had that godly sorrow. And the 51st chapter is a recording of his prayer that he prayed to God to forgive him. This is only part of it. He says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. I'm going to tell you something. When you're out of the will of God, you're going to be miserable. You'll try things to cheer you up. Hallelujah. You'll try things, but if you've ever had a touch, touch of God in your life and you know what God is all about, hallelujah. That's what drove my brother to drinking. He sinned. He told a lie. Instead of trying to get it straightened out, he was afraid people wasn't going to trust him no more or have any confidence in him anymore as being a preacher. And he'd, so he just quit church. He told his daddy, he says, I can't. And he says, he said, people won't trust me no more. He says, I told that lie. And so there was no joy in his life. There was no gladness. Before you know it, he was reaching towards the bottle. For long, for long, the beard didn't have nowhere near the amount of alcohol it needed. So, so he wound up going buying vodka by the gallon jugs, taking care of that. Looking for gladness and joy. David, he was miserable. He prayed to God, make me to hear joy and gladness. Lord, I'm the one who, Lord, I'm the one that when we brought the ark, he said, I got out there and I danced before you with all my might. Oh, the times I spent with you in the sanctuary. I went wrong, I've sinned, but I, Man, I'm, I'm known as a psalmist of Israel, but I don't feel no psalms now. I don't feel, he says, bring back the joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out mine iniquities. This is it right here. This is the way to solve your dilemma. Create in me a clean heart. I give you permission. Every time, every time you go to surgery, hospitals or uh, right before they put you under, they'll bring in a bunch of paper, and you've got to sign, giving them permission to do the procedure. Amen? God... David was giving God permission. He says, create me a clean heart. I, I'm signing right now. I'm giving you permission to split my chest open, pull out that old lustful, sinful heart, 
and I want you to work on it. I want you to give me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Church, it's a matter of the heart. We can come up with a lot of other things, but our relationship with God is a matter of the heart. And as we stand, I pray every man, woman, boy, and girl in the sound of my voice right now will say, Lord, do a quick x-ray on my heart. Do you see any infirmities that I don't see? Do you see any problems that I don't know about? I give you permission, God. I'm going to come forward. I'm going to kneel. I'm going to give you permission to work on my heart.